Welcome to Talking Tourism, the podcast series created specifically for tourism operators. Talking Tourism, the expert series, is the ultimate resource for business owners who want to lift their skills to the next level. If you want to learn how to be a better tourism operator, listen on. Hello everyone, I'm Rachel Williams and I'm your host today for this episode of Talking Tourism. Every fortnight, the Tourism Industry Council Tasmania brings you conversations with the brightest minds in the tourism industry. Each episode of Talking Tourism deals with a specific tourism-related topic with tips and advice for improving your tourism business and getting ahead in the visitor economy. And I'm very excited to be speaking uh, today with Achana Bramel, the co-owner of Sweet Brew in Launceston. Good afternoon. Good morning. Hello. Hi, Rachel. How, <laughs> How are, you? are you? I'm well, thank you. That's good. Now, we're going to be having a, a good conversation today about why good coffee yep. is the linchpin of a great visitor experience. Now, I'm assuming you're a bit similar to me that you can't start the day and operate effectively without coffee. Correct. When did you first start drinking coffee? Well, I am part Ethiopian and part Indian. Uh, and growing up in Ethiopia, coffee is part of what you do every day, three times a day. Um, we actually roast our own coffee at the time. Um, we pound it um, right then and there, so it's fresh espresso coffee, and you drink it three times a day and three shots at a time. And so my experience with coffee would have started as soon as I was born, really. Wow, that young. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but the first taste um, would have probably been around the age of six or seven, because as a little kid, you're allowed to have a little taste. Your grandmother says it's okay. Of course, and it's the grandmother. It, yeah, it's, it's the it's grandmother, okay, not the parents. No. <laughs> <laughs> and over time, and then la- later on, I actually thought, no, nah, this isn't really for me. I didn't quite enjoy the taste. It was more a tradition to be drinking coffee, and it wasn't my thing. The flavour wasn't necessarily my thing. And later on, um, having married my husband, who loved coffee, and he's Australian, Um, He would often say to me, Arch, I wish you would drink coffee because whenever you would have a craving for coffee, you would think of me as well and therefore buy me a cup as well. (laughs) Um, And I thought, no, that's so selfish. No, I'm not going to do that. Um, (laughs) And um, slowly I actually wanted that time with him because he enjoyed going to a cafe, sitting down somewhere and, and, and having that cup that I wanted to experience what it was that he was enjoying as well. And um, I, I was hooked. Yeah. And it really is one of those rituals, isn't it? When you actually have the time to yes, appreciate it. Absolutely. It really is a beautiful experience, isn't it? And and the taste as well, that first sip um, can be quite uh, exhilarating. Um, equally, if you don't have a nice coffee, it feels like that $4.50 or $5 that you've spent is like the, you know, like you've just spent $450 yes. and you get really upset that yes. you haven't enjoyed your coffee. So it's important that um, that coffee that you drink is going to be a nice one. Well, let's start with the most important question then. What makes a good coffee? Um, a number of things. Um, when we started our cafe, um we first wanted to be able to go to um, uh, a roaster that was going to have a really good relationship with us. Um, so understand what our needs were, um, what sort of flavour we were looking for. Um, you've got to remember when we first started here, speciality coffee hadn't quite um, started. Um, that was only five and a half years ago, and it's impressive to see how much has changed in that time. Um, but finding the right flavour 
that was going to be able to suit people who enjoyed a long black um, or enjoyed something, uh, a short black or, or something with milk. Um, so that was the first thing. Secondly, um, you know, we needed to be able to have easy access to good coffee that we could continuously have um, fresh coffee available to us, but nothing too fresh. So we don't use our beans till the anywhere between the ninth and twelfth day after roasting. Anything prior to nine days is a bit too fresh and a little bit too acidic, and you will taste it in your coffee. Anything past that um, is will probably be a little bit bitter as well. So we're very particular about when we use our coffee and ordering uh, smaller amounts more frequently ensures that we're hitting that time frame of 9 to 12 days um, all the time, every day. A good machine uh, obviously goes a long way um, in ensuring that you can um, systemise what you're trying to uh, extract in your coffee um, because you want to weigh your coffee because um, if you don't have systems in place, you don't know what you can fix if it's not going well. And essentially that, that's what it's there for. And to ensure that you're always providing consistent flavour of whatever type you've chosen. So it doesn't necessarily mean that everybody loves the flavour of coffee that I'm providing. But if they do come and they do like it, then what I have to ensure is that the next time they come, they're going to get that same coffee again. Um, and so putting systems in place, weighing your coffee, extracting your coffee well, tasting regularly, um, working out with your customer whether or not they liked it. You know, some people might walk away from their coffee a little bit disappointed, but if you don't catch them and ask them and go, did you enjoy it? Is there anything I could have done better? And they go, oh, you know, I would have liked a slightly stronger coffee. And you go, okay, well, I know what I've done there. I know the, the, the principles I've used. Allow me to give you another one and see if this one suits you best. Um, and when we do that, um, people go, Really? And you go, yep, and they go, they have that taste and they go, yep, that's exactly what I was after. I was actually after a double shot flat white, not a single shot flat white. And they know for the And future. they know for the next time. I want to talk a little bit about um, you before you <laughs> became a cafe operator and coffee connoisseur. Mm -hmm. um, back in 2000, you mm -hmm. actually came uh, to Australia from India mm -hmm. with $100 mm -hmm. in your back pocket. Correct. You'd always dreamed as a child growing up in Ethiopia to come yes. to our beautiful country. Absolutely. And you came on a tourist visa. Yes. <laughs> and you've met your husband yes. and you've got children here and now yes. a thriving business. Yes. Give us a bit of an insight into to how that all came about and, and I'm assuming that you're thrilled that that dream of yours as a young child came true. Absolutely. Um, I, I was born and grew up in Ethiopia. Um, I am the daughter of... Um, an Indian father who was teaching at the university as an English lecturer at the University of uh, Addis Ababa in Ethiopia, um, and and also and my mother is a, a beautiful, strong Ethiopian uh, mum, and uh, my life is quite complex in a in in a, in a way. Um, my mother was sixteen when she had me, and my father was turning forty eight. So there's a, a big age difference. One was Hindu, one was Christian Orthodox. Um, but in essence, because my mum was so young, my father was pretty much the dominant uh, person in the family. Um, and he was quite strict, incredibly strict. And, and while I um, 
I can't deny that I got great education as a result of of his uh, way of you know ensuring how we grew up, m- myself and my sister. Um, I didn't enjoy the way he dealt with us as a family, um, uh, and so I always used to run away into the toilet uh, where I felt, oh, you know, this is the one place that I know my father couldn't couldn't get me or talk to me or tell me that I wasn't doing well or whatever it was. Uh, And in our toilet, we had a map, a world map, um, as all good toilets should have. (laughs) Um, And on that map, Australia is always seen as that colourful, red, um, big country. And uh, it was very far away from Ethiopia. And I, I remember quite vividly that at the age of seven, I'd made the decision that I didn't care how it happened, uh, what it took, but I was going to go as far away as I could uh, and Australia was that land. That and your mum gave you her, her So later writings. on, yeah, later on, she knew that that was what I wanted to do and um, she used to... <laughs> She, she used to do all the washing at home and uh, my father used to always forget, you know, coins and things in his pocket and just before she would put it in the washing, she'd always collect all that money and um, two of my friends got together and said, well, Arch, we know you've got a dream, you want to go to Australia, here's your plane ticket, off you go. And then I was thinking, but I have no money. And she said, here, I've, I've been saving um, everything I could get and it was $100, it added up to $100. So I arrived at Melbourne Airport with $100 in my pocket uh, and uh, I was thinking, what the hell am I going to do next? What am I going to do now? <laughs> and so how did you make your way to Tasmania to be opening up Sweet Roof? Uh, uh, in, in, in a very uh, short um, uh, way, um, I, I was fortunate because I went to some great schools, international schools, uh, both in Ethiopia and India. I knew people here in, in Melbourne who were willing to have me stay on their floor while I worked out what I was doing next. And in amongst all of that, I, I met Tim, uh, my husband, uh, who was a friend of uh, the people I was staying with. And um, essentially, I just followed a skinny white man. <laughs> Redhead down to Tasmania. <laughs> what an attraction. I think there should be more skinny white redhead men. In Very kind, caring man indeed. Yeah. Yes. And he made you fall in love with coffee. Yes. There you go. And, yeah. um, you know, he'd always had a dream of starting up either a bar or a cafe. And, um, and you know, we did. The cafe was the option. The, co- the cafe became an option and it was the one we took. And we- So it is a successful business. I think you now employ 20, 25 yeah. people. Oh, yeah. um, and the doors are always opening and shutting with lots of people yes. coming in and drinking coffee. Yeah. Um, what is the feedback you get mm. about being a good mm. operator? Because mm. there are so many mm. coffee shops. It mm. is a competitive industry. What sets yours aside from others? Look, um, I think for us it's more about relationships. Um, I, I love what I do uh, and so does Tim. Um, and for us, every time somebody walks in through that door, we see it as a very humbling thing that people have chosen to come in through that door. Um, and as a result, uh, we try and reflect how grateful we are 
in the way we, we, we treat them or greet them or look at them or, or, or want to ensure that their experience, whether it be a minute long where they've discovered that perhaps, you know, uh, the vegetarian cafe uh, that we have um, isn't what they want um, and therefore we spend the time in directing them where they can go next door across the road um, or, or even across at Charles Street, you know. I think um, thinking about everyone as your competition is probably c can be detrimental and we stop thinking about it like that. It, it's more that there is, Launceston has now got a lot to offer. We, there are a number of great cafes that offer, you know, a great service. But for us, every time someone walks in, we have to perform to our best. And, and I think that's it. Essentially, it's relationship building and then also delivering with the product, ensuring that we care about the product we provide, whether it be the great food or the coffee, and that we're consistent in how we deliver that product. Mm. I love, I've heard you say before that um, coffee shops are the most under-celebrated but most utilised business Correct. Um, by tourists. And that's mm. probably accurate and I've never really thought of it that way. Mm. Um, everyone can afford a coffee really, can't they? Not yes. everyone can afford to go to an expensive wine bar and have a wine, but coffee is part of most people's days. Yes, and, and, I, and I'm very passionate about that topic, um, particularly because as an industry, I think we spend a lot of um, time and money and energy, and so we should, um, on all the great produce such as, you know, um, our, our fish or our, our beef or our cheese or and indeed our wine. But a lot of that is geared towards an evening meal or maybe even a lunch meal where these establishments also offer dinner. Um, but very rarely um, do we actually see the celebration of, of cafes or espresso bars that do kickstart uh, people's day in a very positive way. Um, and, you know, when you as a traveller go anywhere, one of the things that you do wake up thinking about, oh, especially if, you, if you're with kids or on your own or whatever, oh, where, where can I get that first hot drink, whether you don't always have to be a, a, a coffee drinker, uh, where is that place that I can set up and, and work out what I'm going to do next in the day? Um, where is that place that I can get a, a really nice breakfast? You've got to also remember that not everyone eats meat these days. Not everyone's looking for eggs and bacon. M more and more people are becoming discerning in, in what they're looking for. So they've got to be, you know, your vegan options, your vegetarian options. Um, and cafes do deliver that all across Tasmania. Um the price point is also one that is uh, conducive to people choosing to come back if they like their experience more than once. You know, they might spend $20 in the morning but feel that they've got enough to come back at lunchtime or the next day or every day for the time that they are in that location. Whereas with an evening meal, sometimes it can be that they... Um, build themselves up to wanting that perfect, you know, going to that one stellar place. Uh, and it is a wonderful experience, but they're going only once. Um, so it's important that we celebrate our cafes all over Tasmania. And I love what you said uh, at the start about asking someone at the end of their coffee, you know, was it right? And they said, yes. no, it wasn't strong enough. And so you make them another one. Yes. So that's, you know, the cost of shot of two shots of espresso that you're giving away but the value of that going forward is extrapolated multiple times absolutely um ensuring uh, your customer gratification 
should be the core at the core of whatever it is that you're trying to achieve. Um, the money comes in later. Um, the relationship is what will create the extrapolation of the dollars later. And that's how I always see it, is that that $4.50 or that $5 exchange really is secondary in the scheme of things. Because if you haven't built that rapport, that care, that love, that passion that can't show through what you're doing, then that person might like what you're doing. But the reality is that they're willing to give you up for somewhere else because they feel more connected and they can and, and because they're so much more discerning these days they want to spend their dollars and hard earned money to somewhere where they can relate to better and and is that um i suppose really uh, pertinent for smaller towns and communities who perhaps don't have as much competition amongst cafes mm. to actually make sure they really get it right because the tourists are coming it could be their first thing that they see of Absolutely. a town and mm. if they just get thrown a coffee that's sort of just been slopped together, it's probably not going to, yeah. even that they might just think it's a $4.50 coffee, Absolutely. but it's actually much more. Absolutely. I, I, I couldn't agree more. It, it's a very important. Small towns, big towns, it doesn't matter because as soon as that person comes in first thing in the morning, usually you're the first experience or their first contact with 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 that group of locals or um, that town. And it might be also their only contact because they're passing through. So you want the um, the effect of that um, initial meeting to be one, if not memorable, at least good and positive. Um, and small towns also need to recognise that Nowhere in Tasmania is really irrelevant anymore. Everywhere is easily accessible to most people. And more and more people are going, even myself going somewhere would be a tourist in within, you know, Tasmania itself. So providing that good product is integral to somebody's day. And mm. that relationship building that you talk of, that's not something that comes easy to mm. everyone and to mm. every cafe operator. Mm. But what advice would you give to those who perhaps do find it challenging to be personable and, mm. and build that relationship, even if it is just for one person <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. only there for one coffee and they'll never return again because they're, you know, fleeting visit? Yeah. How pivotal is that? Because they're going to go away and say, oh, I had this wonderful experience at um, yeah. Campbelltown or wherever Absolutely. you are yeah. and tell people about it, like mm. that word of mouth is actually really important, isn't it? It it is. It's it's critical, um, and and I think the perhaps uh, a couple of things I that work for me, and I'm not here to preach of what should happen, but what have I can only speak of my experience, and and perhaps it can resonate with somebody else. Is that once you find the core of what it is that you makes you happy or makes you tick in your business. Um, sometimes as a small business, you've got a heap of other things that are weighing you down. It's not easy to run a small business. Um, and so finding a mental peace in knowing what you're doing uh, passionately can help in how you then uh, reflect that in your end delivery. Um, surrounding yourself with good people is very important, whether it be uh, a good accountant or, uh, you know, um, a good bank or, or more importantly or equally importantly, uh, your colleagues, uh, the people you employ, uh, that they also buy in into your journey of what you're trying to achieve. If it is making sure that everybody has a good experience, whether it be you tell them, um, how to get to Freysne if that's what they're looking for and you and you do it well 
uh, that'll reflect in but it comes from you you have to be wanting to do that and the and it has to be an attitude as well that oh, sometimes i hear people say oh you know business would be great without customers <laughs> Probably and, in the and, wrong industry, and, aren't they? <laughs> and I know that that can be just a joke, um, but I think um, we need to get away from those little jokes that actually shouldn't even exist in our thinking if that is the core of what makes us tick. It's, it's what pays our bills. It's what employs a heap of other people. Let's not even put that as part of our sentence. So how do you ensure that you have the right staff that follow through <laughs> with your values? Because you can only be, you know, in the front of house with them so yes. many times, yeah. so many hours a day. Um, we've been employing people now almost uh, a good 18 years, I think. I used to employ on skill, um, purely on skill that you think, okay, this person would be fantastic for my business uh, because they will bring a certain skill to it and uh, it alleviates the pressure, etc. Over time, I discovered that actually skill is secondary to what I need. What I or what Tim and I uh, look for these days is for uh, good people, good humans, people who care um, generally. Um, whether it be within the cafe or outside the cafe, people who have a moral compass of, of their own. It doesn't have to be one that agrees with ours, but one that they're passionate, empathetic people, kind people. Um, if you have kindness um, within yourself, you will find a way to be able to share that kindness in everything you do. Uh, there will be solutions uh, for big problems. You, you'll be empathetic in the way you deal or respond to perhaps a grisly customer. Um, you, you will have the ability to see it from somebody else's perspective. Um, it doesn't mean that you have to agree. That, that's besides the point. It's your ability to be able to, empath to be empathetic uh, is critical. So find the good people and find then good, train them and, for and their the skill skills. comes later. You know, I I learned, and if I can learn, other people can learn. That's how I see it. Yeah. What is the um, the customer like these days? Is it mm -hmm. when we say they're highly discerning now? Yes. They do yeah. want good quality coffee. Mm -hmm. Is it a challenge to meet all of the demands and needs of people? Um. Yes and no. Um, you see, a lot of people who come particularly from places like Melbourne always are looking for a coffee place like Melbourne. <laughs> <laughs> so you'd often know when someone from Melbourne has come to your cafe because, oh, this is so cool, this is just like Melbourne. What you're trying to do is essentially provide good coffee, uh, whether it be like Melbourne or anywhere across the world. You have to have your systems in place and that's, again, I will reiterate, have a system Find out what that flavour is that you're trying to 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 do to get. Um, work with a, a, a local roaster uh, or another roaster. We we choose to go across the waters for ours, um, and and there are many great roasters here who would help you through that process of finding the flavour, the technique, the final product that you're wanting. Um, and so create that relationship with your provider to be able to ensure that you have that great last outcome. And how important is the um, 
additional products that you use with your coffee. I know that a lot of people can drink straight black and <laughs> I'm perhaps not one of those people. And I've recently been diagnosed with a dairy allergy, so yes. I've had to move to almond milk. Yes. And the variations yeah. in quality and taste of a coffee yes. based on the different milks, yes. it's so interesting. Some are just undrinkable yeah. and others yes. are beautiful. Mm-hmm. How important is it for people to be actually tasting all of their products before yes. they're selling them and, and making sure they've got the right sorts of milks and other additional things that you It's add critical. Into your You've, if you make a cake, you want to taste your cake and you want to know that your taste, your cake tastes good. Same way, if you're making wine, you want to taste that your wine is is aged or, you know, I'm not a wine connoisseur or, or whatever technique you use to ensure that the wine is great. So why not with coffee? Taste your coffee. Make sure that it is consistent. It is good. Um, once the base is right or, you know, the extraction of your coffee is the way you want it or the way that you feel is is the best you can do, then adding the milk is secondary because, well, Steaming milk is important and how you steam milk or is, is also critical. But three quarters of it would be the fact that you've got a good base in your coffee. Then choose a good milk, um, a good provider of, of, of milk. We use, um, for us, we use um, our alternate milks are either Bonsoy or Milk Lab in terms of, and, and, to, and these days there's a plethora of different types of milks. Exactly. It's and not it just can full be cream difficult. or skinny anymore, and is it? it? You it's know, oat that, and soy that and one, That one order. Yes, I'll tell you one thing. Yesterday we had somebody who wanted half a shot of decaf coffee so they wanted a, a double Sounds shot like flat white. <laughs> oh, okay, maybe it is. <laughs> they wanted, no. It was a double shot flat white, but they wanted half a shot decaf and the other shot to be full strength. Like, right. And uh, so what would that deliver for them? For them, that would be the flavour of a double shot, but the kick of only one uh, full strength coffee. Right. So... Um, You've got to, you know, if if if, you, if that's your industry, that's what you're wanting to provide, then you have to accommodate that and go, okay, you know. Yes, is that this your is, weirdest request you've had? I'm sure uh, you've probably had more. We, we have a, f- a fair few different kinds of uh, requests and I'm, I'm, I'm reluctant to say because I might get somebody <laughs> who might hears. might know that they're <laughs> talking about it. But at the same time, you know, I feel great that they feel co- confident and comfortable to come in and ask for that coffee. And my job then is to ensure that that coffee uh, is the best one that they've had. No matter how, you know, varied it is to your standard latte or your standard flat white or whatever it is. What is the most popular coffee these days? A latte. It is still the latte. Yeah. Normal For us. Yeah. A, a standard latte standard would latte. still be your, your yeah. Almond milk is, is, is catching up to Bonsoy very, very fast for us. Um, but then you've got lactose-free, coconut, uh, oat, skinny. And I'm tipping so people some in people Ethiopia doing the – They would laugh at they that. They would be laughing at us. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> Without a doubt. <laughs> yeah. So can you believe how um, amazing your life has turned out to now be here on the, in the thriving cafe scene in Tassie doing what you obviously now are completely passionate about? Yeah, I'm very grateful. I think that's the word that comes to to my mind is um, I am surrounded by uh, beautiful people. Um, As a result of the cafe, I've made such, you know, great friendships. Um, I have uh, some 
you know, I really look for, I do the morning shifts a lot. And the reason why I do it is because I know there are certain locals who come in only during a certain time. So sometime, somewhere between 6.30 and 8.30 is my favorite time because I know that certain people would be coming in during that time and it's people that you, whose company you enjoy and who uh, who who eventually become friends as well and that's happened for me I mean I've uh, as a result of the morning catch-ups I've now got a, a new accountant um, and, and that's worked out really well uh, you know there are bank managers who come in and want to have a chat and, and want to help um, one of my favorite customers and now friend is a tiler and um, you know a renderer um, yeah the, it's just it it it's community building without a doubt and you don't have to go far you're the one who's staying put and they're coming to you. It's wonderful. Absolutely. Now, I am just going to say you've got this um, brown paper bag here in front of you which <laughs> didn't come with a croissant in it for me, which is I'm very so disappointing. All the tourists bought them. Um, sorry. <laughs> uh, and your staff often joke about you writing down all of your thoughts of important things on your brown paper bags. What, what have you got on there that we haven't covered? Have I gone through everything adequately enough for you, Arch? Yes. Um <laughs> I think um, if there's anything that I would say is um, value each person who comes into this into your establishment, whatever the establishment may be. Um, when people have chosen to come to your place, um, they have made a conscious decision to go past everywhere else, or have have made the decision to read and and ch- have chosen you. And so when they walk in, value them. Give them uh, the time of day. Um, give them the respect that they deserve. Um, show them the passion with which you choose to operate. Care for what you're doing and they'll come back. Um, particularly, I, I also think of Asian tourists. Um, I Again, another comment I often hear is uh, people's frustration with Asian tourists around, um, you know, the way they drive or... or you know how or the the way they go about what they do but they bring in so much tourist dollars into our state um and when they come they really spend because are they big coffee drinkers oh yes but they also go on on what somebody else has said and so you often see them pointing at their phone or ipad or whatever it is and going Somebody has said this is really good. I want exactly what this person has said. So they're reading, you know, they're they're educated and discerning in what they want. And so when they turn up, treat them well. Um, their needs might be a little bit different to your average uh, local or your average Australian uh, in terms of language uh, and understanding and behaviour. Um, but educate yourself in what would make it possible for them to have a good time in your establishment because once they're happy they really spread the word um, and we should be grateful for that and so again I say value each person who comes in no matter whether they come for a minute or whether they come repeatedly. 
Well, I'm very grateful for your time today. Thank you, Arch, for coming and talking all about your customer service and coffee Thank experience. You. The world certainly is a better place once oh, you've had a coffee, isn't I think it? So. I, without a doubt, I can't start my day. <laughs> no, my children <laughs> said that the other day. Mum gets crabby without her morning coffee. So <laughs> I often say it's nice to be the drug dealer of choice. <laughs> yes, well, and the legal one. Yes, congratulations. Clearly. That's wonderful. <laughs> all right. Look, thank you all very much for listening. I hope you have got some value out of our conversation and um, certainly know the experience. If you are a a customer service operator with coffee, it's obviously extremely important to make sure you've got your blend right. No Nescafe 43, (laughs) is that what it's called? (laughs) Yes. Wonderful. Thank you very much for listening. Um, We will be back in a fortnight uh, with another Talking Tourism episode. Thank you. You've been listening to Talking Tourism, brought to you by Tourism Industry Council Tasmania. For show notes, other materials and episodes, head to tict.com.au. Be sure to come back every fortnight for a new instalment of Talking Tourism.